Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you joined in on this episode. We're looking at Acts 18. Edwin, what's our text for this program? We're reading from the English Standard Version, and I will be reading the last paragraph of the chapter from verse 24 through verse 28. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus." Well, it sure is great being back in the chair today, and I enjoyed the episode yesterday talking about tenacity and perseverance, and I thought that uh, you and Jackson had a great discussion about all that. It was a great episode. Uh, One of the things, of course, we talked about on that program was the prolonged period of time where it would seem that the apostle could preach without persecution, without difficulty. And as we come to the end of chapter 18, this little episode, the apostle Paul's not in it at all. And now we're talking about Aquila, Priscilla, and someone named Apollos, introduced to us by the historian Luke. And so uh, maybe we just need to back up a little bit and figure out, okay, We've come to a different town. We're not even in Corinth. I think if I was listening to you, you actually said this is all going down in Ephesus. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did we get here? Well, one of the things that I know that I can make the mistake of is to walk through the first half of Acts and think it's just about Peter, and Peter's the only one doing anything. Walk through the second half of Acts and think it's just about Paul, and Paul is the only one who is doing anything. But what what I find here is there there really are other people involved. There really are other things that are happening. Sure. And so here we get this little vignette. Paul's not included, but it is going to impact Paul, at least in the next chapter when we get there. Aquila and Priscilla, of course, we met at the beginning of chapter 18 in Corinth, Paul finds them. They are Jews from Rome who were kicked out of Rome when Claudius kicked out all the Jews and they were tent makers. And so Paul made that connection with them Yeah, and they, they are working together. What, what I often overlook, verse 18 of Acts 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him, Priscilla and Aquila. So right. when he left... Uh, Corinth. Corinth, yeah. <laughs> See, now I'm getting my cities mixed up. I was about to say when he left Ephesus. When he left Corinth, Priscilla and Aquila joined him yeah. on the journey. They made it into Syria at Sincrea. He cut his hair because of a vow. They came to Ephesus, and then he left them there. But he went into the synagogue, and then he, in verse 21, he sets sail from Ephesus. He gets to Caesarea. He ends up in Antioch, and then he starts traveling again. But he has left Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And while they are there, mm-hmm. this fellow named Apollos, who is from Alexandria, comes in and he starts 
teaching and preaching, and he's got a lot of good stuff going for him. He's been taught about Jesus, so there are things that he knows about Jesus. He is fervent in spirit. He is eloquent. He is competent in the scriptures, which, of course, that's going to be the Old Testament scriptures. All of this makes sense for a guy who is noted as being from Alexandria. Alexandria was an education center. It certainly was. It had the great library. Yes, absolutely. So he, we, we see a fellow who's come from Alexandria who really fits in with the model of what we think of Alexandrians. And here's uh, this, this fellow who is doing really well, but he is mistaken about something. And this guy's name's Apollos. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about Apollos earlier in the week, though we'd actually never met Apollos in Acts. Do you remember that? Yeah, no, I do. When we were reading in Acts, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we were talking about how there were problems that came up in the church at Corinth after Paul had left. In fact, it does seem that in the, uh, I think it was a good choice, uh, but for Aquila and Priscilla to go with Paul too, it could very well be that some of the pillars of that congregation all left about the same time, and and then there's some difficulties that arise. One of the difficulties that arise, of course, is this party spirit that we talked about. And Apollos is a name that comes up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that there were Christians at Corinth who said, I am Apollos man. Uh, In fact, in the third chapter, I think it is, that the Apostle Paul is still trying to explain to them how there is participation in this gospel work. He uses the metaphor of a field. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There are different workers at different times and different purposes laboring in this field of the Lord, but God is the one who gives the increase. The other day we talked about that idea, and I'm going to get the phrase right today because now I remember undesigned coincidences. Right. Undesigned coincidences. And these chapters help us see some of that between the letter to the Corinthians and this, uh, this history that Luke has written in Acts. So if you're driving, yeah. don't get out your Bible map. Mm-hmm. But if if we could put a map up, you mean like in a video, like in a video, I don't know why you keep bringing that up. That is not going to happen. <laughs> but <laughs> if you were able to put up a map, I need a reason to shave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you would. Um, if, if we put up a map and we followed along with the map, we would see in the second missionary journey that Paul gets to Corinth. Mm-hmm. He teaches, he preaches. You've got Priscilla and Aquila. There's Crispus. Uh, ends up being converted. We hear about him in the letter to the Corinthians. Apparently, there was a fellow named Stephanus mm-hmm. and a fellow named Gaius. Gaius yeah. These guys all actually end up being pillars in the church, so right. that's very helpful. But you're and right. Chloe and Chloe's household, and, and, yes. and they are the reporters. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we have some pillars that leave with Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila, but we have some pillars that stick around. Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila leave. They get to Ephesus. Ephesus. Paul leaves them there. Now, that's all second missionary journey. Paul completes the second missionary journey. And after he has left Ephesus, now Apollos comes in. So mm-hmm. this is between Paul's second and third missionary journeys or right. or, or while he's traveling yeah. on those but has left Ephesus. That's now Apollos comes in. All this is going to happen. At the end of this vignette, he is going to be sent into Achaia. That's right. Where's which, Corinth? Which is where Corinth is. That's Corinth exactly is the capital right. city of Achaia. So, so what we've got is... Paul and Apollos going opposite directions. They, yeah. don't actually, they don't actually meet each other on these two trips, but they're going in opposite directions. Paul has left Corinth. He's gone to Ephesus, and now he goes on to Antioch of Syria. Apollos is going the other direction. He's gone from Alexandria down in Egypt. He's come up to 
Ephesus. And when he's done here, he goes to Corinth. And that's where, when Paul later writes his letter, it's about this party yeah. spirit. And Paulus has already been there and done a ministry there and yeah. apparently done great things there. Did some great things there. But what happened as Apollos was preaching, there were some folks that said, mm, I like Paul better. Yeah. And then there were others that said, hmm, I like Apollos better. And then there were some folks that said, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Have you heard Cephas? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some folks even said, well, yeah, but wait a minute, guys. I thought this was all about Jesus. But even as Paul is addressing that, it seems that they're even doing that with kind of this party yeah. mentality. So it's all it's all kind of messed up. But this is, this is what's been happening. Apollos ends up in Ephesus. He's fervent in spirit. He's eloquent. He's competent in the scriptures. He's even instructed in Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, it's hard for me to understand what level instruction he had regarding Jesus without knowing about the shift in baptism. John's baptism, which we'll find out in chapter 19, right, was a baptism for uh, of repentance for the remission of sins, saying, look forward mm-hmm. to Jesus. And for the Jewish people. So I wonder if there's some issue that a- Apollos had picked up on, there's a Messiah, the Messiah is coming, but he had just not grasp yet that the shift has been made. The Messiah has come. It is Jesus. I'm wondering if Luke is maybe speaking accommodatively, but in some way, he's got some teaching about Jesus, but he doesn't know the shift in baptism. So Aquila and Priscilla hear it, and they say, huh, here's a guy with promise, but this needs to be corrected. Yeah, that's right. A fellow with promise, but um, perhaps not total preparation. Now, what I have to give Apollos credit for is the boldness to speak what he knew. You know, uh, there was none of this speaking with a forked tongue. And I say it one way to this group of people, and we were another. I mean, there is a sincerity here. About the best we can do is speak what we know. And I, I think that's very important. I, I can understand why some people might look at this and say, oh, Apollos didn't know what he didn't know. Yeah, And I, I don't know what, what I don't know, and maybe I shouldn't say anything because what if I find out tomorrow that I'm wrong? And, and I can understand why people might, th- their lesson from Apollos might be, I never know what I don't know, so today I should just keep my mouth shut because I could be wrong about this. But I think that's the wrong lesson to get from Apollos. I think the great example we have here is that Apollos did teach what he knew. He was bold. He, he knew the scriptures. He was, he was ready to get out what he knew, what he understood. And because people could see, Aquila and Priscilla could see, this man has a good heart and he loves the Lord. He's going to be a great worker. And we know where he stands. We know where he is. That enables them to be a help to him to teach him the way of the Lord more accurately. This doesn't mean that I, I, we were joking earlier as we were just kind of talking about this. This doesn't mean that I go out speaking my ignorance. I mean, Apollos had some instruction. He he had some good reason to believe what he believed. So we're not talking about have a half-baked notion, and I've, I've really kind of put a few minutes into this, and I'm just going to spout my ignorance and speaking from that. But, but at the same time, the idea here is that I don't just sit quietly because I know that I'm going to be wrong about something. Look, I am wrong about something. I don't know what it is, but I have no doubt that I am wrong about something. But the best I can do is, here's what I know now, I'm going to share it. So I, I picked up somewhere along the way uh, a kind of a, a history about doctrinal disagreement and even how error can come about within a church. And, and it really has to do with public speaking and teaching, okay, doctrinal truths. And so where there is agreement, okay, there is 
spoken agreement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Step one, spoken and agreement. Which which means that we're all saying it yeah. and we agree in what we're saying. That's exactly right. Okay. Step number two is unspoken agreement. Well, we know all of that, so we don't talk about it anymore. We don't study those things anymore and we don't you know, make it known. We all know we agree, so yeah. we don't have to say it. Step three, though, then shifts into unspoken disagreement. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're not talking about it anymore, and now you've got your idea, and I've got my idea, your understanding, my understanding, and actually we're not we're not in the same place. But we don't know it because we all think everyone else agrees with us and what we believe. Yeah, I think that last bit is the important part. We don't know we've shifted from unspoken agreement to unspoken disagreement. Because we're not saying it, we don't know now that there are some people who disagree. Yeah. And then you get to step four, which is spoken disagreement. Mm-hmm. Now we get around to talking about and realize, oh, we're in very different places on spiritual things, on doctrinal things. And unfortunately, because we spent so much time in the unspoken disagreement, we haven't talked about it while the ideas are being formed. We only end up talking about it once we get really convicted. Right. Uh, and we find out that, that we are actually polarized. Yes. Yeah. And th- that makes me think of one of the things that often bothers me. I hear people say about churches that don't allow questions. And when I've, when I've brought up, mm. I don't understand that because that's not been my experience. I have heard from people about some abusive churches yeah. where they don't allow people to express doubts and they don't allow questions to be asked. My experience, however, has not been that. The, the churches that I've been in, at least from my perspective, maybe I've misunderstood it, but from my perspective, it's been questions are allowed, doubts are allowed, let's talk about it. Yeah. What has happened, though, is people won't talk about it. They won't bring it up until it's no longer doubts and questions, it's convictions mm-hmm. against what they've heard in the congregation. Yeah. Yeah. And now it is polarized. And now we the only time we bring it up is when we are pushing back. And that's yeah. a problem, which is why, like Apollos, we need to teach what we know. We need to preach exactly, what we know. Again, exactly the point. Not half-baked notions, not I spent 15 minutes reading a book somewhere and decided this must be true, and now I'm just going to go out guns blazing teaching it. But uh, here's what I know. And I don't have I don't sit quietly because well I, I might misunderstand something. I teach what I know. And there was no maliciousness with Apollos, okay? None at all. What what we are actually seeing here is an episode of spoken disagreement. And that's what allowed <laughs> them to get back to spoken agreement. agreement. That's exactly We're right. gonna hit on that a lot tomorrow. I'm sorry you're not gonna be here with us. Jackson's gonna be able to get this other side of Apollos. I've kinda called today's Apollos part one. Tomorrow's gonna be Apollos part two, so Those we hope folks good can come back. Titles. Yeah. Good we, titles. <laughs> we want you to to be back with us and learn more about Apollos because there's another side of this that I think is beneficial. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. What are you learning? Uh, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. You can email us. Let's wrap up today with a prayer. Our great God and Father, you give us every good thing and you've given us today. We thank you, Father, for the example of Apollos who had a boldness, a desire to serve you, and that meant sharing the word with other people. Father, he spoke clearly so that what he understood was known and what he misunderstood was known. But he had a wonderful spirit to be taught, and there were those brothers and sisters in Christ who loved him enough to to work with him and to study with him and to teach him the way of God more accurately. And Father, may it always be our heart and our desire that we might serve you with boldness and accuracy for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,